Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Hi, everybody. I hope you're doing great today. I've had a lot of conversations with people about accepting diagnosis. It's so hard when the person that you are dealing with doesn't seem to understand what is happening and they're not working with you. In fact, they're working against you. It is so difficult. I don't know what's harder, if, if, if it's when family members don't recognize it or the person themselves doesn't recognize it. I kind of think it's harder when the person themselves doesn't recognize it because, you know, they have kind of light bulb moments when things are, are working, but they also have the, the physical disease and the brain cell's not functioning, and everybody's trying to, you know, force information on them and try to help them to, to do the things that they've been able to do, and it doesn't really work that way. People get really frustrated. And then we have the person themselves that if they are obstinate, if they are angry, it just gets exasperated, exasperated. (laughs) Oh, my friends, I really can talk right, really, I can. Uh, they, They get really angry or in denial, and sometimes it can last for years. And it is not healthy for anybody. It is so difficult for family members. They act like they hate you. You feel like, why do I even stay in this fight? They don't appreciate any of the help I'm giving them. It's really, really hard. And if you can get into a support group or something, that helps. If not, go see a qualified mental health counselor or a therapist or something. Talk through your emotions There's been somebody, I promise you, that has gone through the same thing you're going through, that is struggling, that is not doing well with the situation. And uh, if you can have somebody that can empathize with you or just listen to you while you're talking, uh, support groups are great for things like that. Mental health counselors are great for things like that. You know, the, the thing is, a counselor may say to you, you know, We know what you're going through because we've seen a million families and yours isn't that special. (laughs) They won't really say that to you, but that they might be thinking that and you might be feeling that they're thinking that. Um, But think to yourself, hey, you know, even if they feel like they're talking to you like this is just routine for them, get the bits and pieces that you can that will be helpful for you to not be completely stressed out through all of this. Do whatever you can to try to take in the information that you've learned and and 
say to yourself, this is the help I can get now. This is what I can do now. There's no magic wand that's going to fix everything. I wish there was. I've been working with APS, Adult Protective Services, on a couple of cases recently. And that's what brought this up is that it's so incredibly difficult when a person is so angry and they scream at you to get out. They call you names. They don't want caregivers coming in. Even if they've had caregivers in for, you know, months and months, they start treating the caregivers really badly. They throw things. They they talk in racial epitaphs that are hurtful and destructive. And it's hard to deal with that. It's hard to even want to say, I want to keep working with this. I want to accept that this is the way it's going to be. And I was in a situation dealing with a very, very difficult person just this last week. And she was calling me every name of the book, dropping F-bombs, get out of my house, uh, angry, angry, angry. And I just stayed incredibly calm while I was talking to her. And when she said mean things, I just thought to myself, she sounds very much like a teenager that is trying to get you to get out of their room. I'm not going to react to the things that she's saying to me. I'm not going to be mean back to her. And I would just say funny things like um, another person in the room said something to the effect of, um, you have a long drive home through through uh, traffic, you know, rush hour traffic today. And <laughs> the person with the disease said, oh, that's tough for you, isn't it? Just kind of got really, you know, pissy about it and was, you know, making some comments. And I said, oh, that doesn't bother me at all. I'm just going to turn on my favorite music and listen to it and sing all the way home. It's going to be fine. We have to recognize that it's the disease talking and not the person. And I have to practice what I preach when I say to you, don't take it personally. It's hard when you're a family member or somebody that is coming to care for a friend or something, and they do this to you day in and day out, each and every day for years at a time. I'm amazed that people don't throw in the towel and just give up. I really am. It's so draining. It's so draining. And, you know, we're trying to work within the realm of things, but people sometimes have disabilities on top of this. They have comorbidities of, you know, psychiatric issues and and all kinds of individual things going on. That can make the situation a thousand times worse. And if you keep looking at the negatives of it, you're going to be bogged down for the rest of their life. You are. If you can embrace the fact that maybe they will get to the blissfully unaware at some point... And that you can call in help wherever you need it. Uh, Maybe that will give you the strength to continue on. I say that because sometimes you have to call for help, like I did. Calling Adult Protective Services. 
calling the local police department to come and do a wellness check on the person. Um, sometimes you have to do those things. It's almost like you have to wear shock absorbers. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're on the bumpiest ride. It's like being in a Jeep on an off-road path, and it's jarring your teeth out. It's it's so disruptive. It's so hateful. It's so difficult. And you soak it up every day, day in, day out, weeks, months at a time. And what do you do with your own emotions? Are you just supposed to force yourself to put them aside? Well, if you put them aside, that could be good or bad. It really could. So how do you adjust to all this? What do you have to what do you have to look at? What do you have to take into consideration? Well, one of the things is maybe life expectancy. Uh, do you have good genes in your family where the person is going to live to 100 and you're going to be in hell for the entire time? <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but I mean, if we don't laugh, we'll cry. If we don't laugh, we'll break things. You know, I mean, it's tough. How do you adapt to the changes? How do you adapt to the things that stay the same? How do you even get a, I can still do this attitude day in and day out? What do you do if they say, if you ever put me in a nursing home, I'll commit suicide and I'll take whoever's near me with me? There are people that have agoraphobia that are afraid to leave their homes and they just freak out about stuff like that. And they may worry about having the money to go to a nursing home and they may not even have the cognitive awareness to understand that they don't have any money left. So they cannot stay at home. And getting them to move requires something close to an act of God. You may need, if the person is living in squalor, if they are living in filthy conditions with fecal matter everywhere, they're not bathing, they're sitting in their own... um, feces, if they're they're not bathing for a month at a time, um, if the, the house has hoarding issues, things like that. If you get into cases like that, then you can call Adult Protective Services. But I have to tell you, you can't do that first in most cases, at least in the United States. You have to call the police and have them do a wellness check on the person first get the officer's name and get a case number. Um, And once you give it all all the information to them, and then you can call Adult Protective Services to come in behind you. And in a case I'm working on right now, because we had APS come in after a problem that we had to resolve and uh, a police department was called in, I was able to call APS back after a month and say there's been a change of condition within the people that they had come to help. And because of that change of condition, Adult Protective Services was more than willing to come in and help. Um, Sometimes we feel like uh, 
help coming is a little dicey, but just know that the police department and adult protective services are so overwhelmed with calls from you know cases of neglect and cases of abuse and things like that in nursing homes that it's very hard to get to a case where someone's just behaving badly and not cooperating with you. I mean, and I will tell you, I when I called the police department uh day before yesterday, I sat on hold for an hour and 45 minutes. After the first hour, I hung up and called a different number at the police department and still waited on hold for another 45 minutes. And when they went to the person's home, they still didn't do what I asked them to do, and they didn't didn't do what Adult Protective Services asked them to do, and I gave them that person's name and number. So we get, we get in situations where we just feel like we're smacking our head against a concrete wall, and all we're getting is a headache, right? But uh, they will step in where they can, and when there are issues of people unable to take care of themselves, they can't physically take a person out of a home, but what they can do is they can say that they have to move, and then you've got to figure out a way to do it yourself. And I had a client ask me this morning, how do you do that? And I said, well, I will help you. I can try to arrange a caregiver to come over and take the person, you know, off someplace and then actually drive them to where the community is and we'll walk her in. And if that doesn't work, we'll call an ambulance. That's We have to do these things sometimes. It's ugly. It's nasty. It's gross. But it is what it is. It's not a good adjustment for anybody. Nobody enjoys this ride. But when the person you're talking to doesn't accept what is happening, oh, my God, getting them to move, finding them the proper care to take care of the the psychiatric mental health issues that they're having through all this becomes a thousand times harder. Not unmanageable, not undoable, but hard. Hard as hell. Nothing easy about it. Nothing easy about it. And you're going to have to accept this head on. You're going to have to understand that it's going to be a continuous adjustment. When you do get them to the place where they can be cared for, the fact of the matter is, if they're throwing a fit and it's a catastrophic situation, they're going to be given medication to calm them down. That has to happen. You all know that I have said over and over and over and over again, I'm not a fan of medication. But when we have a lack of acceptance, when we have somebody who's in a fit of rage, when we have somebody who is not accepting their situation, we have to do something and get involved and make sure that we are looking at the safety of that person And that somebody is taking over the day-to-day responsibilities. If they're running out of, of money and you can't take care of them at home, you have to make some different kinds of decisions. And that person isn't going to understand what's happening to you, to them. They're not going to understand how it's affecting you. 
they they planned on being independent and living at their home as long as they possibly could and still may think that this current situation can still you know happen but it's not sustainable when you're running out of money it's not sustainable when that person can't take care of themselves i know that so many of you around the world are dealing with situations just like this horrible anger trauma drama out the yin yang you know in nothing you can say or do makes a difference that person yells at you and screams at you if you're in a situation like this you're going to have to make decisions for that person because it isn't going to be very long before things turn really bad and here's the bad news as if i hadn't given you enough already in the first you know 15 minutes or whatever uh if that person falls if they hurt themselves in some way they will go to a skilled nursing facility they might go to a hospital first and the hospital may say we can't return them back to the house that was actually the outcome we were asking for this week that didn't happen um because sometimes that is helpful and that can mitigate any losses or any additional trauma that could be happening but if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen so if they go from the hospital to a skilled nursing waiting for you to find a place now you've got the additional drama and trauma of trying to go out and find some place if you have no money and you're on medicaid waiting lists can take a year and they're not per se always great places anyway but if it takes that long um you could be looking at about 13 to 20,000 a month in care 13 to 20,000 a month in care usually it runs around 425 a day but when they go to kick you out it can go up so they usually only want you there about a week and then from there on out it runs up to about $600 a day and you want to talk about people not being happy this is a lose lose situation all the way around for everybody involved i'm not kidding you so if you can go now while that person is still maintaining at home for at least a little while longer maybe being able to have caregivers come in maybe not go and look at a few places if you can private pay great if you can make sure that they don't have like some big $10,000 community fee and try to make sure they don't have any rising prices like tiered pricing cuz you're just going to get penalized for that person's progression of the disease and that's no good but um try to do the best you can uh finding a place that has a flat rate with maybe a 3% increase per year and uh if you need to because that person is obstinate and awful and hateful and all that kind of stuff you may need to look at a skilled nursing that can manage their mental health issues um if you don't have money again you need to get on a find a find a medicaid place that you think works well 
and and then be able to um, get on a waiting list to get them in there because that might take a year and you don't want you don't want that thirteen to twenty thousand dollar bill and leaving them to their own devices sitting in their own feces and living in hoarding situations and they can't feed themselves they can't go to the bathroom by themselves they're incontinent and all that kind of stuff um, that just gets worse by the minute and if APS comes in they may charge you with neglect for not taking care of the situation so make sure you do everything you can deal with the suspicions the delusions the paranoia deal with everything you can as long as you can try to accept that it's just the disease talking go one day at a time accept it as calm as you can because the bottom line is, I know what you're dealing with. Hospitals know what you're dealing with. You're starting to know what you're dealing with. And sometimes you can call in help from your clergy or, or mental health counselors or, or APS. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. It's tough, people. It is tough. And I I know because I see your emails, I see your letters that you write me that so many of you are in just these devastatingly hard situations. But don't run out of money and then look for a place. If you see the money dwindling down, go look for Medicaid places now. Get on that waiting list it does you no favors to procrastinate. And even if they won't cooperate and you have to have them transferred by ambulance, so be it. You got to do what you got to do. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about ways for you to find some help, how to help other family members understand what you're going through and see whatever I can do to give you some good advice. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, 
So we're talking about crazy, difficult situations today. Catastrophic situations, really. You know, where it's hard to get other family members to understand what help you need or to help you in any way, shape, or form. Many of you are trying to care for somebody from 20 miles away or 100 miles away or another state. And you're relying on somebody else to give you information. Listen to them. Don't doubt them. If you have any questions about things that are going on, come for a visit and stay for a few days. Everything will become crystal clear, I promise. I've had people tell me that they just had to accept the work. Like they didn't have any choice. They had to keep bills paid, you know, and all of a sudden they're knee deep in everything and they had no idea that their involvement made all the difference in the world. It just felt like every day they were doing whatever they were doing and making no progress. People tell me all the time that they want to accept these difficult situations and they're just doing things, you know, from like a reflex because they don't have time to think about themselves. They know it's going to be hard. They feel their own bodies not reacting well. They feel sick. They've got a pit in their stomach because every time they go over to see their person, they get treated like crap, but they got to get right back in the game again. There's no way to find joy. And when you try to find joy, it's fleeting, but try to recognize it. Try to recognize it. If they say one thing nice to you, they ask about a grandchild, they, they say, oh gosh, you know, the other day when you told me you loved me, it made me feel so happy. And the next minute they're calling you every name in the book and dropping F-bombs. The key, my friends, is one day at a time, cope with what you can cope with. You're never going to stop worrying. You're never going to stop anticipating what's going to happen next. You're never going to stop thinking about how it's affecting you and your own family, your kids, whatever it is. You know, it seems natural that we would just step in and be the caregiver, but there's nothing natural about it when people are not kind, when they are reactive, when, when they don't appreciate that you're taking care of them. And it's even more devastating, I think, when you stand back and kind of take a look at what's happening in that person's life and wonder if they could tell you what would they say about how bad their situation is and what is affecting them the most and what is their hopes and dreams. What, what would they still like to have happen? They'll probably look at you and say, I want you to get out of my goddamn house. <laughs> I'm going to have to put all kinds of flags over on this one for language, aren't I? But that's what a lady said to me the other day at least six times. Only she wasn't that nice. She threw the F-bomb in there. Um, here's the other thing, okay? If you can... As soon as you can, 
even if they are mean and nasty. Get their power of attorney situation squared away. If you are the primary person and you're taking on that role, make sure you have the power of attorney for uh, finance and medical. Okay? It's so important. Again, yesterday I said to a client that I have who is the one that's knee-deep in this really horrible situation. Not one, but two people she's trying to care for. They can't care for each other. They can't care for themselves. It's a mess. And I said to her, thank you for listening to me. Thank you for letting me work with you with strategies a year ago to get some caregivers to come into the house. The person she cares for, the two people she cares for, did not want anybody in the house. Everybody that was coming in, they were kicking out. And I finally figured out that there was an MO around it. So I said to her, we'll just tell her that the caregiver I'm bringing in owns her own company and she's just going to come for a few days and see what they need and then she'll find somebody else for them. Because when uh, my client had brought people in from various home care companies, she really liked those people, but she didn't... The the person that needed the help did not like the caregivers that came. So we, so I, I saw an MO here. So when I brought my caregiver in, I just said, let's just say you're the owner of the company. And sure enough, after she'd been there three, four days, they loved her and didn't want her to leave. And she's been there over a year. So at that time, I followed up about six months later to get the power of attorney documents that we needed so that the daughter, who is my client, could actually do what she needs to do, whether they like it or not, for their safety and for their well-being. And I'm going to tell you, I just told her, thank God you listened to me, really, because if you had not have done that and we were trying to move them right now, we would have zero recourse. Zero. If we were trying to move them out of their house. They are out of money. They are on Medicaid. They need skilled nursing and neither one of them recognize it and they fight tooth and nail. Like, like I mean, I'm telling you, it's almost like fighting Muhammad Ali. The, the swings they take, the the language they use, the hatefulness they spew could really knock all the energy and the, the love in your heart out of you. And I am just so proud of this lady for hanging in there and taking care of her family. And I finally moved her to today's subject of acceptance that I will help her. I'll be by her side. I helped her find a community. We went a couple weeks ago and looked at a community. We we asked, we got on a waiting list. The room came up. Now is the time. We're getting it done. And it sucks. There is nothing good about this situation. Absolutely nothing. It's heart-wrenching. It feels terrible. It just, she she just can't even believe that we're going to have to make a move. And as we speak right now, 
adult protective services is in that home telling them that they are going to have to move. Adult protective services can't make them move, but they can tell them this is mandatory and that it's going to happen. And then guess who, me, is going to have to help her make that happen. And if they won't go willingly, we're going to have to have police stand by with an ambulance that comes and transports them. Ugly, 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 ugly. My friends, so many of you are dealing with this. So many of you understand this. You're still working. You're still trying to hold down a job. You're trying to take care of somebody who rebucks your care all over the place, right? Sometimes time runs out. Sometimes the timing isn't what you would want it to be. Is it going to be horrible? You know, are families members going to resent what you've done? Do they not understand the situation? Have they not been around? Are they judging you from afar? Oh, hell yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And if you are worried about family members, say to yourself, where are they now? Are they standing next to me? Are they helping me day to day? Where have they been for the last year? The least of your concern should be losing family members who are already not supportive and are already judging you, not understanding the day-to-day turmoil that you've been going through. The bottom line is we have to make a, a, a plan. We have to attack the plan. We have to figure out the financial. We have to figure out the medical. And you want to talk about messy. Some of the Medicaid places nationwide say, oh, you have to go visit a doctor and have the doctor say this person uh, can, can be in my community. You can't get that person to do anything you ask them to do. And now you have to try to get them to a doctor. And worse yet, if they've been holed up in their house and they're not going anywhere for two, three years at a time, they've got hoarding issues, we've got feces issues, we've got incontinence issues, we've got, you know, everything on the chart raining down on us. Now we've got to get them a COVID shot. Great. And not only do you have to get a COVID shot, but three weeks later you have to take them back and get a booster. The situation I'm dealing with right now, the only way you can even do that is to get them into a hospital and uh, have the police come and take them and maybe put them on an M1 uh, mental health hold. Um, and if you can get them to do that, then at the very least, you've got them in the hospital. You can make sure they get a COVID shot. You can have a doctor there say, yes, they need to go to a skilled nursing. They cannot return to their home and somebody does it for you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, thousands of you out there are saying, "Yeah, right." That nobody, no. I've called, I've called Adult Protective Services. I've called the police. Nobody's helping me. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we have to figure it out ourselves. We have to gradually assume all the responsibility. That isn't really too hard because most of you've been doing it about eighty percent of the time anyway, right? <laughs> Right? And you never thought 
you would put somebody in a nursing home. You didn't think that was what your role would be. People from the outside haven't caught up. They're a year or so behind. You know, they don't notice what's going on. They're not around. They're not helping you. It's tough. It's tough. So, I just don't know what to say except for that. The thing that you can do, the things that you can do, is make sure you have that power of attorney for financial and medical. If you don't, you better start getting a hold of a lawyer to get a guardianship and a conservatorship. I'm going to have Clara Lee back on the show, and we're going to talk about what those are and what they mean. But the bottom line is a guardian is over the person's actual health care, and a conservator is over their finances. And typically that takes close to a year. It takes a lot of wear and tear on you. They could go before a judge, have a super high IQ, and act like they are just fine, and the judge might not realize the situation they're in, and it could all fall apart. There are so many things that could go wrong, but those are your choices there. Secondly, start looking for a community. Figure out where they're going to go when the time comes. Take a good look at their finances so you know what they can afford or if you have to spend down on Medicaid. If you take them to a Medicaid place, they might be able to spend down there. See if they can help you. Uh, go to a senior center and see if you can get some free legal help to understand what you have to do with the situation that you are actually dealing with. Um, See if you can bring home care in. If you can't, go a different direction. See if you can find somebody like me in your general area, a senior resource person that is qualified to help you with through these steps. I'm grateful and I'm humbled that I can help my client through all of this, even as as nasty and and so forth as it is. But I'm able to do it and we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done because I helped her make a plan two years ago and it's now coming to fruition. As muddy and ugly and gross and traumatic as it is, we're going to get it done. We are. And her life is only going to be easier because somebody else is going to care for them in a skilled nursing place, and she won't have that day-to-day nightmare. They may never speak to her again, but if somebody's yelling and screaming and cussing at you, maybe that's not the worst thing that could happen. Uh, I just say that lovingly, you know. I'm sorry. It's hard. It's hard about this. This whole thing is hard. And none of us are infallible, my friends. Your health, their health, everybody's health is in God's hands. You got to figure out what is going to be the top of your list for coping, how you're going to get through it. Are you going to use a counselor? Are you going to use your clergy? Are you going to take classes? Are you going to join a support group? Doing nothing won't help you. Okay, doing nothing won't help you. But just know that when all is said and done, 
hopefully you can go back to being their friend. You can go back to being their daughter or their spouse or their son or whoever it is. Okay? Maybe maybe all that inexplicable language will go away. Maybe they're angry because they've been scared. Maybe they're angry because no one's ever, you know, really tried to guide them before. Maybe they're angry because they don't want to go to a nursing home. Maybe they're angry because they don't know what's happening to them and they don't know what's happening around them and they don't like the police coming and they don't like adult protective services coming. Maybe they're angry because they're without mind and everything's spinning out of control. I don't know what gets them to this rage state, but sometimes they are. If you need help and you can call me, 303-420-6988. I can help people around the United States. I've had people that have set up Zoom calls with me from other countries. If you need help, I will try to help you. I do have a fee for that. It will cost you, but I will help you and guide you through this disastrous, horrible, not fun, traumatic, emotionally draining situation. Okay? So I hope that If nothing else, you realize that I empathize with you and that there is someone, me, in this world who sees what you're going through. And I know that you guys don't make this stuff up. And I know that it's hard and it's difficult. Uh, Families tell me all the time they're so grateful. They'll cry when they call my office and ask for help and say, you're the first person that's actually understood what I'm dealing with in my home. I would say that most of the people with Alzheimer's, if you can talk to them early, if you can be with them during the diagnosis, it's better. The more open conversations you can have with somebody, the better. But if you can't have that... If there's some underlying psychiatric situation, if there's some underlying um, dysfunctional family dynamic that has been happening, you may never get to this point. You may come in late and are now trying to manage this person's life and they're resentful. A lot of things can happen. Not every moment is filled with joy. Sometimes there's no moments of joy. But for those of you who are out there, just know that I feel you. I see you. I hear you. I get it. I'm sorry you're going through this. I wish I could give you a big heart hug. Um, Give me a call, and I'll try to help you with as much as I can. Get that help. Find a counselor. Go to Starbucks. Get a massage. Have lunch with a friend. Remove yourself a little ways away from it. Make a plan. Execute the plan. It's easier when you have all this stuff done 
when all hell is breaking loose, at least if everything's been done along the way, you've looked for a community, you know the finances, you've involved people that can help you, even if it's catastrophic and ugly, it's better than it would be if you didn't have a plan. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. I will see you all next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.